Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon. This is a podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Tope Nguyen, and she runs a site called thebitchpack.com, and it's designed to change women's representation on screen, starting with the written page. The site essentially takes the Bechdel test to the next level. And those of you who don't know what the Bechdel test is, uh, Tope will explain it more later on here in the interview. But before we get into the interview, as always, you can get yourself a free gift at freegearguide.com. This is an equipment list of all the gear that was used for a feature film that was made for $500 with no crew. It was my film. <laughs> Anyhow, you can check it out again at freegearguide.com. Again, it's just a fun equipment list to help show you what equipment you could use to make a feature film for that little. Anyhow, enough of that. Let's get on with the interview with Tope Nguyen of thebitchpack.com here at the Film Trooper Podcast. <laughs> yeah, how did you do that? <laughs> I was, well, I did my due diligence and I made sure I talked to Emily. I said, I don't even know how you pronounce uh-huh. Am I pronouncing this name correctly? So she said, oh, no, that's great. <laughs> she's like, I think it's pronounced this way. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> and it's, uh, to- how are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. If it sounds a little echoey in this, um, I don't know if my microphone's um, coming yeah. off. A little. I have, uh, I have an earpiece plugged in, so I can take that out and do this directly. I don't know. Yeah, let a- me try this. No, 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 no. You sound good. You sound good. I was wondering, do I sound oh, echoey? Oh, okay. No, no, I can hear you just fine. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, I'm just recording this, and um, I'll do like a little intro um, prior, or I mean after all this stuff is done, so I can kind of direct people to your site, and also there's mm-hmm. a great interview uh, by IndieWire, so make sure that link's included yeah. in the show notes, oh, thank you. and, and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, we can get started if you're ready. Uh, I, I think I am. No, no prep. I'm a little scared, but I'll try. <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. Um, this is the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and today my guest is uh, Tope Nguyen. Well, let me just start over. How do I pronounce your last name? Is it Nguyen? <laughs> it's confusing, too. It's more like Lynn. It's more like Lynn. So it's just... Nguyen. Oh, so it's just uh, Tope yeah, Nguyen. Tope Nguyen. All right, mm-hmm. watch this. This is the great thing about redoing this. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> Editing, wonderful. Um, hey, everyone, this is the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and today my guest is Tope Wynn, and she will tell us a little bit more about um, you know what she's doing in the film world, and um, I was uh, introduced to her by Emily Best, the last podcast I had, um, Emily Best, of course, of Seed and Spark. And I had asked Emily, I said, hey, do you know anybody you recommend that I should possibly talk to? Was, oh, you should definitely talk to Tope. So that's how this all came about. And um, so give us a little rundown of if somebody wants to, like you're in, you know, you're at a party and nobody knows, knows who you are. How would you introduce yourself and what you're working on in the film world? That's tough because I try not to leave the house that often. But when I do go outside, <laughs> um, <laughs> I tell people that I run the Bitch Pack. And the purpose of this project is to get more women's representation in scripted entertainment, which I know is a very broad thing nowadays with all kinds of content. So I'm aiming to get more content that passes the Bechdel test. So it's really easy. You just have to have two named women characters 
who talk about something other than a man. And there's so many topics in the world. It's endless, really. It's just uh, ridiculous that so many works don't pass. You know, women talking about boyfriends, husbands, etc. when we could be talking about finance, science, police corruption, you name it, aliens. That's crazy. You know, it's funny. Um, when was the first time you heard about, I pronounced it correctly, the, the Bechdel, Bechdel, right, test? Yeah, you got it, Scott. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Production. you can... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you can give it, uh, the, the, like, the listeners a little bit more background of where this test sort of came about um, and sort of like the history of it, um, that, of that, that would help. Sure. Um, I learned that it wasn't, you know, intended to be a serious test, but it was actually a panel in a comic strip by Alison Bechdel and Liz Wallace. So it's actually the, um, the Wallace-Bechdel test to give everyone full credit. Um, and people ran with it because it really struck a chord. It makes a lot of sense. Women talk about all kinds of various things in real life, and that needs to be shown because, you know, we think about more things than guys, obviously. So when I saw it, it was on um, a video by Feminist Frequency. It was the, the 2012 Oscar race, um, and she was talking about how few Oscar um nominated films passed that test. And I thought that was just a really poor marker of creative work that's going on, you know, to not be able to jump this tiny hurdle in this the epitome of of film and film travel so far around the world that, you know, there should be more female characters, there should be more varied female characters. Um, just because we make up such a huge part of the human population yeah interesting it's funny that like you said that the comic strip it was like a just a simple like i don't know three four panel discussion it was just two characters okay. talking about it and it's wild to see that you know take off into the um the whole movement that it's become and you know i look back at some of the work i'd done and i and i said to myself holy crap like i'm totally guilty of it like it's all sub- <laughs> subconscious you know maybe coming from a male's point of view of like this is all that girls talk about, right? They just talk about us, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's some male vanity going on in much of entertainment, I've noticed, that, you know, um, and it just creeps into people's brains. It's, um, I'm reading this book that was recommended to me called The Hidden Brain, and sometimes we don't even know why we say or create certain kinds of things, and it just comes out. But um, somehow guys in Hollywood got the idea that really interested in knowing what their lives are about. <laughs> right. Because they're, you know. Well, I guess I don't know whether it's like when a writer has to like, you know, you write what you know to some extent and, and it comes from like a deep-seated place of like, especially, you know, writers in general, um, not to say, you know, overgeneralize everybody, but it's like this, a chance to create a world that's that's opposite of where they are in real life to like expand mm-hmm. upon like their imagination. Like this is what I dream might, you know, be the case scenario. Yeah. And like, it is, it's probably a lot of deep seated sort of um, subconscious, um, uh, you know, Freudian um, psychology needed to, you know, <laughs> need to be addressed. You know, I look back at my stuff too. I'm like, what the hell was this? That's <laughs> <laughs> why rewriting is good, right? Yeah. Having an editor. It's actually funny you brought that up. I just read a, a, a blog post about uh, the industry of self-publishing books, you know, mm-hmm. like over a hundred thousand plus 
self-published books or books are being published per year and you know about you know more than half of those are self-published and the relationship with a writer and a and an editor is very vital in terms of making something in the book world uh, very successful so you kind of you know in the film world especially the rogue really independent filmmakers they're there's nothing in check. I mean, if they're, they're just making their, on their own and they're going out there, there's not like an editor. You may have an editor of film, but you don't have like a um, overall sort of, um, you know, publishing editor. Story editor. Yeah, story editor. Thank you. Oh. To, say, to say, okay, hold on. You know, here's some things you might look into. And I just think it's, right. it's, it's fascinating. TV. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you, what got you into film? What was the first, like, uh, do you remember a film when you were younger that just had an impact on you? Um, that it doesn't have to be like a, like a highbrow famous film. It could be like the, like, a, mm-hmm. you know, guilty pleasure, anything that just sort of changed your perspective on the world because of a film. Um, I remember the first film I saw in America when I was a child was, uh, E.T. Okay. Love E.T. and love the Goonies and eighties and nineties stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll watch things that still crack me up like white chicks. <laughs> um, in a recent memory, um, <laughs> I'll watch super highbrow to super lowbrow and everything in between. You know, it's so funny. You're like, you probably, I don't know, the, the, the 12th person has mentioned Goonies as a major impact. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. So we showed this, that movie to my uh, little nephew who's like eight years old and he was just busting up from start to finish. Still. And right, it's it, um, generational. It keeps going. I live up here in Portland, Oregon now, and so I'm familiar with that. Oh, they yeah. filmed up here. They filmed up in Astoria and Cannon Beach, and so like that whole terrain mm-hmm. and whole like the beach, uh, the um, the coastal uh, city uh, town. Now I'm familiar with, but you know I'd grown up in Southern California, so when I had seen that as a kid as well, that seemed like a a world away. So now to see it now living in there, I'm like I don't know whether I'm taking it for granted, but I've gotten used to the terrain <laughs> and the greatness. Yeah, I lived in Portland for six weeks one summer, and it's gorgeous, fresh air, very much a departure from Los Angeles. So you have to enjoy it for me. Oh, definitely. Well, the summer is why it's the longest summer. It's like it. It starts and it doesn't mm-hmm. get it doesn't get dark until like you know ten eleven at night, and then wow. uh, but once the fall comes, fall winter and spring, that's when the um, the weather you know changes to the uh, the classic gray rainy. But um, anyway, so that's actually fascinating that uh, I love that you mentioned white chicks because you were talking about the Academy Awards in terms of uh, mm-hmm. the, the analysis of like how many uh, films didn't uh, pass the the Bechtel test and. Um, I remember the, the, the one of the most impactful Academy Awards presenta- presenters I saw was Chris Rock. He did it for one year, but he had this whole uh, little skit where he said, "We went down to the Magic Johnson Theater to ask what people think of to, you know this year's nominees." And so the Magic Johnson Theater, mm-hmm. as you probably know, um, is pr- primarily a lot of you know um, African, uh, you know, black moviegoers. So they were, he was interviewing right. them as they're coming out, just asking him like. What was your favorite movie this year? And they're like, they're, they're so funny. Collectively, a lot of people were saying, Saw. Yeah, that was a good one. Saw. Oh, <laughs> the, uh-huh. the, the, the other, the, more than half of them were saying, 
white chicks. Oh, that was a good one. White chicks. <laughs> and then they, he would show them like, what do you think of the nominees? Have you seen uh, any of these films? And they're like, what? No. You know, like the general public had no concept of what the uh, yeah. what films were in the Academy Awards, which was, just, it was a, it was a fun, uh, you know, tongue in cheek poke at the industry itself. But I just thought that was exactly. really fascinating in terms of uh, the general collective. So yeah, a lot of audience for a lot of film, I think. Yeah, definitely. So let me ask you. So, um, are you a filmmaker yourself, and uh, and did you go to film school? And, and give us a little background of that. Um, I <laughs> have um, not professionally made films. I, I try to study and write films. I've taken writing classes. Um, so that's just where I am. I'm, uh, I'm very much a, a screenwriting. Um, observer and um, learner right now. So tell me more about the uh, bitch, the bitchpack dot com, and what you know. You t- mentioned a little bit about what the movement is, but when somebody goes to that site and what the movement is, and, and sort of the um, the mission of of what you've created. Right, I was out of frustration, um, and I, I'm still very much miffed when I try to find something that personally interests me. Um, when I'm flipping through channels, I, you know, have streaming TV now. It still takes me forever to find anything I think I would enjoy because when I look, I see a sea of overly familiar, overly bland. So I wanted to find material that is uh, more varied, passive spectacle test, has more women's stories. I think men and women are curious about what goes on in women's minds, how we interact with each other, the world, you know, careers, lives, etc. Um, so with the bitch pack, um, trying to just bring to the forefront that there are other possibilities in the Hollywood status quo. And I was really lucky to find out I'm not the only one. I had no idea that there are so many other people who are interested in, in seeing diversity. So when did you start the blog, uh, the website? Um, I started the website um, in 2012, and I pretty much just microblog through Twitter right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always something to watch, something going on. People bring a lot of super things to my attention, um, new projects they're making, new things on television and in theaters and streaming that they notice. So it's just a great personal learning experience, um, getting different angles and news from different creators. I'm I'm really enjoying that part and seeing how they want to um, change culture. Um, They want creators to make different things for them. And I think audience feedback and social media listening is hyper important in entertainment. Did you see, um, just to clarify, can you help clarify for people what what you mean in terms of um, the micro content uh, content via Twitter, Um, how you, Mm -hmm. how how you handle that as opposed to like a traditional maybe say long-form blog? Right, yeah, it's, um, yeah, to be honest, it's because most people nowadays have shorter attention spans. For me, it just helps me to uh, whip out tweets rather than go into um, a lot, a lot of, the, I've done that too. I've written academic papers on entertainment, 40 pagers, and so I'm one or the other. <laughs> tweets are really, um, extensive, dry um, analysis. But I find that tweeting um, makes everything more current and so much easier to connect 
quicker to people, to audience members, to writers, to critics, to journalists, and see what they think than um, a blog, which I, I love traditional um, blogging and reading other people's things too. But in terms of getting faster reactions and being able to search um, hashtags to find out who's talking about what, where they are, you know, what their background is by looking at their Twitter pages, it makes it a, a fuller experience for me. Interesting. Very interesting. So when did you did you see your the blog or the movement or the conversation? Did it take off right away or was it like six months in um, that you saw? Like, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't feel that it was right away. Um, it has been picking up a lot this past year. Um, I think people are recognizing more with hard data that Bechdel test passing films that have been made are making a lot more money at the box office. Uh, women's interest made by women um, is just capturing people's attention right now, even though it doesn't feel, I'm not, you know, super in the trenches, but it doesn't feel that um, old school Hollywood is exactly adopting this as a commonplace practice. I feel that every, you know, management company, agency, production company should have a department that looks at um, the women's material, women's representation, and that would be a great goal. But I think that would help um, audiences get what they want and the business side of Hollywood maximize their bottom line. So I think the more data that comes out, the more people are noticing that uh, women's issues and diversity and audience trends are pointing in this direction. Interesting, interesting. So in your um, sort of analysis or, or, or what do you think the future or should or will be in terms of not necessarily Hollywood, but maybe just like independent film um, in terms of the movement that you're putting together and um, the awareness? It's really more like an awareness campaign, if I'm mm -hmm. correct. Um, yes. And then um, will you be like starting like the Bitch Pack Awards or something or, or something like that to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it would be nice yes, if I, you know, had funding or did this for a job for real, I, I could do more things like that. But um, I've been fortunate to um, be able to give Bitch Pack Awards at Shriek Fest in Hollywood. They're wonderful, uh, run by a woman, Denise Gossett. Also for Blue Stocking Film Festival in Maine, which is all about back to test passing films. So Bitch Pack has... Um, gotten to choose Best in Show and Best Bechdel Test Passing Horror Screenplay. Those uh, were very exciting bits. And, um, you know, I would hope that one day even more mainstream festivals could encourage in their screenplay contest this type of, you know, female forward content. But so far, they really haven't, and that's disappointing, honestly. It's fascinating. That, yeah. I mean, why not? Tell me. And, um, I was gonna say I'm actually I'm actually really curious because you were, you mentioned Shriekfest and so on and you know in the horror genre itself mm -hmm. you know has been you know notoriously you know um, I, I guess the the blunt of it is objectified women you know both as a victim and sexual objects and so right. on for so long. Um, what mm -hmm. have you seen in terms of that genre that um, has changed, or can you name any particular movies that you've seen just to 
uh, help out the audience kind of get a better idea? Um, I, you know, I do like watching horror. Um, I don't keep up to with it, you know, the nitty gritty of it um, every day. Like I know there's more devotees out there who pay closer attention than me. I do have contact with women filmmakers who are making their own horror and grindhouse. And um, there's a great um, tweeter, I believe um, she goes by Sister Horror. So there are even more fascinating subgroups of um, black women in horror and what race and gender mean in the horror game. Um, I you know, wrote a grindhouse film where women are empowered and the victims are guys. So <laughs> it's fun to uh, flip the script and, and think about that stuff, actually. Yeah, I mean... So I feel important. I want to see more. Well, I, you know, I noticed that your little um, icon is Elvira, so I just was curious. So far. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Elvira is a very interesting character and um, have watched her work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, she, she knows. I love Halloween stories, and and there's always going to be a market for gothy stuff out there. People always wonder about the darker sides of Humanity. Um, I think a lot of shows handle horror um, with with nice touches and even comedy sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. Let me ask you. So, with the bitchpack dot com, um, it's also become like a resource, right, for screenwriters to sort of uh, test their um, their their works to make sure that perhaps you know it's it's being evolved to what needs to be to make sure that um, women are portrayed a much more accurate. Um, way it can kind of explain that's, a little bit more yeah. about that yeah that's very encouraging um people have sent me their stuff um and you know time permitting um I, I like to take a look at what interests me and people i've seen people talking online about different characters and i you know once i'll ask what female characters people are writing they want to run stuff by each other and uh, and encourage each other to make more well-rounded women characters you know it's not just about Passing the Bechdel test, but of course that is just a starting point um, in creating, you know, multitudes of female characters that need their voices because we have only so many to point to in film history, and definitely for women of color in film history, we are so lacking. But in the world out there, women of color have definitely contributed to human history so much, and it's it's about time entertainment and writers and producers notice that yeah can you so get, it's nice to see people discussing these things online on twitter particularly i think i read somewhere on your post or something that uh maybe it was the indie wire um uh, article but it was something along mm -hmm. the lines of like of the 100 greatest films or 500 greatest films or top films or so on mm -hmm. what, what was this uh the stat on that one <laughs> There's only been one live-action film featuring a woman of color in the top 500 films of all time. One out of 500. And when you look around on the street in Los Angeles, women of color are more than one out of 500 people. They've, you know, made cities and civilizations, and they need to be acknowledged more. I would want to know stories about, you know, different kinds of women, women stories. I mean, um, we need more heroes of different genders and colors, period. Yeah. 
It's actually interesting you said that because um, I will see, you know, um, local filmmakers in the different regions like this one um, gal was making a short film in Atlanta. And I was told mm-hmm. her, I go, what I love about your short film is the diversity of the ethnic bath- backgrounds because it's like it's a slice of it feels like realistic enough that y- you don't see it all on the you know the mainstream um media and in the, in the movies and the televisions you know the shows um we have this joke at home like especially like the cw uh, network it's like oh my god how many beautiful white people can they put in here you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right it, it's not real real life um and i get stars and even shows that go for a slice of american life it looks like fantasy like where does that happen in in small communities that are closed off to other people do people really look like that in an average american you know city um what do people want to know about that hasn't already been done over so many times even with you know hardcore ucla usc annenberg um san diego state studies showing that tv shows with you know, more minority characters and more minority writers actually do better. They don't suffer the slump. They um, get more attention in media now. Like, it shouldn't be so revolutionary that we have this kind of character or this kind of character, you know, that hasn't been done before or hasn't been done for 20 years when you look around. It's like, actually... There are... Yeah. I was going to say... It's, so many types of people. Yeah, it's actually, I would say, and I interrupt there, as I did, sorry. <laughs> that, um, it's okay. But I think it's funny that when that something happens, like um, it seems like every other year there's like a news, uh, like a new, like the press picks up on something like, is this the change uh, for the industry, you know, that you'll see a shift for, you know, um, more women's uh, stories centered around, um, you know, women and then uh, minorities and, and, and whatnot. But it's, it's almost like the press articles should change, be like not to be so shocked by any of that stuff, um, you know, bubbling up to onto the surface. It should be more of like I think the article be, would need to be changed or discussion to be like, whoa, why, you know, why is it taking so long or why is it not being represented mm-hmm. and, and as opposed to, um, I guess, celebrating the anomaly that a show with a you know yeah. a color woman or something like that. Uh, I mean, look at me. I'm totally being sound like racist. A woman of color um, is the lead. Um, one of our favorite new shows is um, um, was it Sleepy Hollow? Was that no? It's what's the yeah. Um, that's yeah the new TV show. Yeah, we really like that one. And so yeah. this, we like the dynamic of uh, of the main the main two characters on that one. But anyhow. But it's uh, it's fascinating because, you know, we see, like you said, you see it around, and, and when you do finally see it on the screen, if you, you were so conditioned to see, um, you know, uh, a set of, you know, good-looking actors or so on of, of a certain uh, color and so on, that when it, you do see something out of the norm, but you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's like down my street of my neighborhood. Okay, finally, something feels yeah. real. And because of the, mm-hmm. the, the, wor- the way the world is going with all these YouTube stars, you know, just killing it and having, you know, bigger impact than, say, your average actor, um, you know, the thing that's uh, driving that force is authenticity. So the realistic. So that's the word, yeah. I think um, you know I'm half Asian. Yourself is or Asian. You know, I, my my daughter loves to watch. Uh, you know, 
um, all these YouTube stars and and half of her YouTube mm-hmm. stars she follows are of the um, Asian um, you know eth- ethnicity. Oh really? You know? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So it's like the the thing is, is there a lot of represent. It's YouTube is much better represented of you know right. of that yeah. world than than the traditional media, which is is definitely fascinating, but also encouraging. And so the the weird thing would be Absolutely. is um, the strive for um, I guess films uh, uh, with women and you know, directed by women, written by women, um, and just be like, you know what? If you're not going to get anywhere with like Hollywood, if it's still like an old boys club, very much like the television industry is, the media industry, um, taking advantage of the new media, you know, the likes of YouTube or just direct dis- distribution to an audience, um, you know, once a project like that can take off on its own without the help of Hollywood or whatnot. There could be an opportunity where, like, everybody shifts, you know, really shifts focus and say, oh, well, there's a lot of money in this one now. Um, right, but, you know, diverse creators should be given opportunities in Hollywood in general because white men fail up so much as it is. That's good. I mean, yeah, no, that's a good, good point. <laughs> or fail, the equal opportunity and access should be there. And even with Sleepy Hollow, I know their first season, it would benefit a show like that to have a black woman on staff. You know, because the lead is a black woman, I don't know how their staffing is coming into their second season, but, you know, for that authenticity factor, like, you know, it seems like common sense. Yeah. Hold a mirror up and go, if our lead is this and we want, you know, more nuances and someone who's been more in her shoes than anyone possibly could, then we need someone that reflects her. And that seems like it should be obvious, but yet it seems to fly over so many heads and it seems more like an ego thing to me personally Mm -hmm. and I just know that just out of the studio system you know if they wanted to yes they could find uh, actors writers who are diverse you know women people of color women of color but they let the same people fail over and over again so why not try something new I don't think it needs to just stem from the indie world that women have to work and, and minorities <laughs> have to work even harder to catch people's attention just to have the same opportunities to get to the table, to get into the room. Because there's no lacking of people who are trained, who have practiced, but they just never get to get that toe in the door. Interesting, interesting. What is Or to uh... produce the work economically. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of feedback have you gotten or what um, what have you seen in the, in the two years that the bitchpack.com has been around um, that has, you know, motivated you or, or, or some like just hap- like magic moments of like, wow, I can't believe this has happened where I just started like a micro blog <laughs> or whatever. Um, can you kind of mm-hmm. share any of those types of things with us? Um, yeah, I, I, certain things are definitely not foreseen um, in the project getting some attention. Like you said, the IndieWire, Heroines of Cinema um, article. Um, you know, I got to talk to great people at CBS Diversity and see what's going on there and learn about a show who, um, I mean, a show that is run by a diverse team. And just being able to get an inside look at that, um, to see how culture is changing. The more people do pay attention to other types of human beings out there and, of course, to their own bottom line and seeing how that can be conjoined 
and moving forward. It's like every time uh, people go look at Fast and the Furious and look at how much money that franchise has made and look at the type of people who are put in there. Um, and then it's like Hollywood has this collective amnesia again. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it just feels like Groundhog Day sometimes, like starting over and having to point to these things again and new examples. But the, the progress is also, you know, not super staggering. But yeah, there are hints here and there that people do get it. And um, everyone should want to be in this club of people who get it. It's interesting because I know that um, the American film market is coming up in Los Angeles in a couple mm-hmm. of months. And it's – you walk around uh, that lobby and that hotel and you get a sense of like what they're buying and selling in terms of the foreign market. Mm-hmm. And right. and you you realize as a filmmaker or a film producer, you're, you're pushing or peddling films based off not necessarily what the audience wants at all. It's just what that particular buyer seller um, deems like what you know worthy enough to to take on in terms of uh, trying to make a profit. And, that's the key. Who, who's deeming? Yeah, so that's and, and why right, and and I don't, and it's weird. Like it, it almost it almost feels like the, this one uh, s- distributor might be selling to this foreign market, but that same foreign market is trying to sell something back to uh, that same. Uh, buyer, you know, it's like they're taking, mm-hmm. the, they're just back, like back and forth, like you know, selling the it's, same it's a weird products. feedback loop when there aren't too many excuses not to listen to your audience in this day and age where your audience wants to tell you what they want. There, you know, there's you can't say, oh, we can't find this, oh, we didn't hear that. When you can press a few buttons on Twitter and go, oh, well, there they are. Here are actual human beings who want to give you their money, telling you what they want to see on TV, what they want to see in the theaters. And in the same age, there's, you know, tons of people who can aggregate, who can tally, who can tell you. You know, if I don't think people are doing their jobs if they aren't paying attention. If they say, oh, they're focusing on women in Hollywood and they don't cover certain things, or they, you know, say that they're here to boost their company's bottom line and this is getting over their heads. If I can do certain things from my desk in my own house, then why can't other people who, you know, do this for money every day gauge how they can make more money by giving people what they want? It just seems like simple economics and plus furthering culture, how, you know, we can show people other aspects of the world we live in. It's interesting, you know, I I Men well, and women yeah. are frustrated about it. Well, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, about it should be that way and why aren't they doing the jobs. And it reminded me of a uh, sort of the vortex that L.A. can create. It's almost like its own bubble. Like um, they are mm-hmm. really, truly, <laughs> to some extent, can be it, – it, well, in the industry itself, it can be very removed from the rest of the world in terms of the pulse. Because I noticed that, you know mm-hmm. – um, I had grown up in San Diego and had spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. But even the drive from Los Angeles to San Diego, there was this decompression, you know, mental state that was just like once you get out of the hype, the the hype bubble, then you then you kind of think mm-hmm. clear, think clearer, and clearly, right. and that's what happened. You know, why I'm up here in Portland, Oregon, just to kind of give that more of a 
a bigger, I guess, a more worldly perspective. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But I do notice that when you, you know, you're in the biz down there, it's everybody's just fighting to see which gatekeeper is going to approve whatever they're working on, you know? And so, right. so who hires those gatekeepers <laughs> because they remind them of themselves, you know, et cetera. And I greatly admire companies who hire people who don't look like themselves. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it strengthens them a lot to have the, um, you know, the genetics of their operation be varied. That can only strengthen things than to have the same pool that just gets stagnant and they don't see past that, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I necessarily make excuses for the um, buyers and sellers of those film markets, but it almost feels mm-hmm. like it's so hard to just sell what they do have that to sort of go outside of the norm to try to, to work a little extra to make like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to break through. You know, they. I think in whatever world they live in, or whatever system that this has been created for them, you know, they're looking for that. Um, you, who more, created it, and who will work that little extra? Yeah, and it's, how that will pay off in, in you know in the big picture. Are you gonna? Are you? And to say they didn't try that little bit harder, I don't. I just don't like excuses. Yeah. What are you, are you planning to attend the AFM or having? Are you or giving a talk or anything like that? Or because um, it'd be interesting because um, you'll be not, right. Not that I know of. I might drop by. Yeah, because I mean, you'll be right there in the midst of like. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like it's funny the, the the type of films that they're buying and selling at those markets are not necessarily what the press writes about. So you're like, what the hell is this mm-hmm. film? Or like, you know, I didn't know this actor was yeah. doing this film, you know? And it's like, but then <laughs> you, you can see a lot of titles and go, what the, mm, uh, how did this get made? Um, <laughs> well, that's, they're, they're, it, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah. There's like, there's, there's that world of film that you're like, mm-hmm. what, what's going on here? And then there's, the, yeah. there, there's, there's another world of film that we hear about and read about, which is in the press in terms of more of the highbrow festival films. And then there's like the mm-hmm. Hollywood films. And then probably 90% of all the other film uh, makers in the world are, have these, you know, like they're truly, truly independent films. They have like no, you know, marketing legs behind them or whatever it is. So they all have to now. Yeah, they do have, and exactly. So it's it is to see the disconnect, or like each little subset has its own little set of rules, and for yourself yeah. to be like, okay, well, who are making those rules? How do we, you know, how do we put? I'm gonna say exactly. like, um, the, the great thing about your your campaign or what you're putting together with the bitch pack and, and sort of expand upon what has been discussed about the the Bechdel test is it's a, I guess it's the same concept of like. You know, years ago, we got to recycle. And it's just, sort of, you know, what I mean, it just it gets into the human consciousness, so that you know, years later, the next generation has has grown up with this concept or whatever it is, and people just make the change. You know, we've seen it happen with, yeah. um, you know, we've seen it with tobacco. Like, guess what? You know, probably smoking is not yeah. a great a great idea. You know, whatever it, it takes. You know, I I even look back at like films that I enjoyed during the eighties, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, that would never get past. Like today, like they would never make a film with that type of, you know, or like people have to realize that most of us want A, B, C, and D. And that's actually just this group of decision makers who aren't most of us. So if they look at it that way, um, you know, 
they have to open their eyes a little more to what's going on on the outside because things are moving so quickly. In terms of content, you do have to adapt or die and, and look at what your audience wants, who they are. They're, they are more multicultural. They do have different tastes now. And people trying to bring back stuff that they personally were attached to, they have to see if it makes any sense in this modern world and what kind of eyes are going to be on it and taking money out of their pocket to want to see it. Yeah, definitely. So, that, yeah, I think people just aren't evaluating the where the world stands right now, that they are still standing in the same place. Yeah, and, exactly. And I'm looking at this new generation, like, say, of my daughter's part, I think, the YouTube generation. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're growing up and, and they're having completely different experiences and interacting and connecting with a whole different set of stars that, that are not... How old is she now? She's 12. So she oh, she oh. is being um, connected and being inspired by and being entertained by a a wide Good. array of um, talent that is not uh-huh. any is not nearly represented um, in the mainstream sort of uh, movies and television that we see right now. And it's disappointing, isn't it, as um, a father probably to turn on mainstream TV or go to theater and go, what can my daughter relate to? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's like um, we're we're fairly sarcastic as a family. So I think she's got that gene. (laughs) So so she can kind of see she can kind of see like, you know, what happens. Um, I think she's pretty good at like relating. But who knows? Like, you know, I I think back at my upbringing and the things that I was interested in and and my attempt to be creative and expressive. And and years later, after hearing about the the Bechdel test and looking back at my past work, I'm like, oh, well, check that out. I didn't pass, you know? (laughs) It's really easy to, yeah. And I've read Skinblaze by friends and gone, well, here's your missed opportunity to pass it right here. Um, You could have done it here. And, you know, I was with a writer last night who hadn't even realized he passed it so many times. <laughs> he didn't even know. <laughs> but he, you know, and I was with his mother, too. And somehow, he, it was just automatic for him um, to be able to do that and to do it well. Not just, oh, women are talking about nail polish or, you know, something superficial, but they were talking about issues, yeah, definitely. You know, important things and over and over again. Um, and Reckless, it just happened for this male writer. I just wanted to stand up and cheer. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, nowadays, too, with film funding um, in, in your images, they are looking at screenplays that pass the Bechdel test, and they give those, you know, more points towards their judging to where they will put their money um, there are more diversity um, criteria in, in Europe and America since we're more private enterprise when it comes to, to film and, and culture. Not the same way. So we have more of an uphill battle to level the playing field to get more voices heard, more of what audiences want. Definitely. And let me ask you. There's a definite you... disconnect. Yeah. And, uh, but it's encouraging to see all this stuff that's happened um, and having um, social media, having the, you know, the, yeah, inter- the internet sure to have this discussion. Media. Yeah, mm-hmm. having this discussion to to show them the numbers, to show the interest, to show um, a change in consciousness is 
is very encouraging and, 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 you know, I am as well implying it, applying it to my own work, um, because of those things. I say that, yeah. but then you have to read and go, no, no, you didn't pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, I think you just have to look at, and I hate to use the word organically, but just an insert scene to pass it, you know, versus, you know, this is important to the characters and the female characters, and this is why it passes. I think that has to be examined a bit. And I think also just getting the new voices out there, not just because people are guilting executives and decision makers <laughs> into it, right. but they should want and be proud of trying to, you know, give their audiences something, again, here's the word, authentic. Isn't, you know, isn't that the goal? Yeah, yeah. Like that just... translates financially as well. People just in, in marketing and branding will relate to something they're not feeling that someone's shoving down their throat or selling them that, the, you know, people making these things understand them. That was very nice. Do you want to, um, we're kind of hit the, the mark. We can wrap it up. Do you have any last, uh, words that you want to just, uh, or thoughts you wanted to share with us before we, um, say goodbye? Um, sure. And I think that it's, it's important for forward thinking companies to open their doors, uh, sit down with people, ask people what they know, what they like, um, and not be so off in the corner and, and separatist. And I think that's applicable to lots of things in the world. But with entertainment and how far-reaching it is and how it affects people, um, why aren't these festivals, why, why aren't these companies, why aren't these studios saying, well, what have you learned? Um, hey, audiences, you know, why is this working? Why is this not working? So when you see something not work on a huge scale, wouldn't you want to talk to the source of, you know, the people who are going to or not going to give you their money. Very interesting. Thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing with us. And I will, as I finish up this next project, I'll be uh, getting in touch with you later to say that I passed the (laughs) test. If I don't pass the test, then... What the hell? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, there are great films that, um, <clears throat> pardon me, that don't pass the test. They're, they're wonderful ones that don't. It would just be nice to have more that do. Right. And it's funny because uh, I guess uh, technically uh, the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock um, doesn't pass the test because she's the only female in the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so. Right. But it, it would be nice, you know, if there are others out there to see how, how women do relate to one another. So, you know, different situations, um, you would just see more stories. Yeah, yeah. That are not the same ones. I guess the mm-hmm. the thing to take away from all this is um, just try a little harder uh, for those, you know. For, and yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah, because your audience will know if you if you try to really reach them Very or cool. not. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I'm I'm really happy that Emily introduced us, and uh, I look here. forward to um, when I'm down in LA again or something like that. I will uh, contact you just in case, maybe meet meet up in person and um, and see how what the latest is with the Bitch Pack. Sounds good. Yes, hopefully there'll be more news. Yeah, are happening more rapidly nowadays and, and every day. So definitely, we'll keep you posted. We'll do. Thank you so much, Tope. No problem. Take it easy. Okay. Bye now. 
And that concludes my interview with Tope Nguyen of thebitchpack.com. And as you heard, I was referencing um, that I was introduced to Tope by Emily, and that's Emily Best of Seed and Spark, which you can check out on, um, I forget which episode it is. I think it's like episode 41 of the Film Trooper podcast. If you stuck around this long and you enjoyed what I'm doing, I could really use a ratings and review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And if you're a filmmaker who leaves me a ratings review in iTunes, uh, please reference your film, and I'll mention it on the um, air. On the air. (laughs) It's like I'm on radio. No, I'll mention it in the next podcast. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy what you listen to, and I will catch you next time on the Film Trooper Podcast. 